Hey guys, a quick disclaimer before the podcast starts, just a few trigger warnings. We will be talking about abuse and violence, police brutality, as well as sexual assault. So if you are sensitive to any of these topics, just wanted to let you guys know. And yeah, enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Two Girls, One Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah. And I'm Nadia. So there recently has been an incident that's been pretty popular as all over social media, and it's the death of George Floyd. So if you didn't already know, then George Floyd was arrested for an allegedly fake bill. And he was murdered by four different police officers. Well, one while the rest stood around. Derek Chauvin was the officer who had his knee on his neck. And the other officers that were there were Thomas Lane Jr., Alexander Quang, and To Thao. And they were all arrested for second-degree murder. And obviously this is just an example of police brutality and racism that happens it's not like a one-time thing it's so common and the black lives matter movement has been so prevalent on social media recently because of this but it's not a trend it's something that happens all the time oh sorry by the way we're outside so if you hear just random noises of nature that's why okay so basically the black lives matter movement has been around for like way too long and I feel like lots of people have that conception where they're not black, so it doesn't apply to them. They, yeah. they don't really want to speak out for it. But I feel like it's so important to speak out for it because if people don't know what's going on, you have to educate them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the best way to educate yourself is through, I want to say books and movies, but I know lots of people don't really read books anymore. Mm-hmm. So movies. Yeah, there's are loads of documentaries out there and also movies just addressing um, racism. So a really great movie is Get Out. You watched it, right? Yep. So Get Out is is a horror thriller. It's not that scary. It's, yeah, it wasn't. It scary, wasn't like scary yeah. Movie. It's not like scary, scary. But if you think about like but the concepts are really scary. yeah, it is pretty scary. So basically, if you haven't watched Get Out, what the fuck are you doing? Watch Get Out. It's a great movie. So basically, uh, Chris, the main character, he's black and he's a photographer and he's has a girlfriend who's white. Her name is Rose, and he's going to go meet his girlfriend's family. But they don't know he's black. So Rose is like, okay, in the beginning, you see Rose. She's like super supportive girlfriend. She seems like a good ally. Oh, uh, well, you'll see how that changes. So he goes to, oh my God, there's like geese. I like geese. We have some geese here in the studio. <laughs> okay, what was I saying? Yeah, so he goes over to the family's estate. And he notices that there are a few black people, it's actually only two, but they're very weird. Like, they're acting really weird. And it's like kind of off-putting. And they're only working in service position and they just they just they can't really converse properly and they're giving chris like weird signs and then her family is like another thing because she says no my family's not racist but but it's like this weird tension between him and her family because like they'll say things to try to not be racist you know the dad was like i'd vote for obama for a third term if i could and that's the thing it's like you don't need to mention every black person you know when you meet a black person I know tr- it's like you're trying to be not racist, but like you are coming off as super trying, fucking yeah, racist. Like I'm trying to think of the word. Like they're trying way too hard to seem like, like woke, like, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like you don't come up to someone Asian and be like, oh my god, I love Jackie Chan. Like out of context. The, there's no fucking reason to say that. Oh my fucking god, it's fucking ants. Okay. So it seems like Rose's family is just like, you know, they're kind of like, they're trying not to be racist, but they are kind of racist. But it turns out they're more than that. They are psychopaths and they're white supremacists. So they have this whole system of abducting and brainwashing and also brain swapping black people. So there's like this family gathering with her extended family. And Chris notices that they just bring these black people with them. 
And it's really weird. Like, the interactions they have with the black people, their interactions they have with him, they look at black people as sort of, like, pets, you know, or, or slaves or something. Like, they would, oh, they would fetishize black people, and they're talking about, like, their athletic build, and, like, her family members would, like, touch his arm and be like, wow, you're so strong, and asking, like, talking about sports. But he's a fucking photographer. And, like, like I said, there's, like, these microaggressions in the movie about, like, like, remarks they make, they, one of the lines they say is, black is in fashion. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Like, and it's so common, I think, even now, to appropriate black culture. Like, people love hip-hop or, like, hairstyles, but... Shoes, baggy clothes. Oh, yes. Like, all that, like, style. And then they won't credit the black people. They don't know the, the history behind it. And, and, they say, and then they say the N-word or, like, they don't get behind the movement, but you're appropriating their culture, right? So... By the way, the director of the movie is Jordan Peele, and he talked about his own experiences and how he kind of put that into the movies. And you see Chris's character trying to see if something is racism or racist, or there's people just having a normal conversation. He mentions that he kind of has that problem too, where he'll be talking to someone and he'll he like might microanalyze everything because he's like, oh, is this person being racist or like you know, it's just like, am I just like analyzing stuff? And this is really interesting about the ending. And there's like this whole argument, not argument, it was full on fucking fight. It was like him, Chris, the girlfriend, and the, the gardener end up in like a fight, right? And so at this point, Chris finally gets on top of Rose and like he's about to kill her. Uh, so, oh, I forgot to mention, Chris has a best friend who's a cop. So he's on top of Rose, about to like triangling her, and then you hear the, <laughs> the cop car pull up. And Rose is like pretending to be the victim here. And you can see the defeat in Chris's face. But it turns out to be his best friend who was a cop, and he saved. I remember that. Okay, and but wait, but wait, wait, have you seen? Have you seen the alternate ending? No. Okay, so this is okay. This is where it gets good. So, the alternate ending, so they filmed two, is where instead of Chris's friends showing up, a normal cop show up, and they're white, and they see Rose, and and then they're like, okay, so Chris is Chris is obviously the killer here, so they arrest Chris, and then you see Chris and the uh, his uh, best friend cop talking and. Chris is like, no, there's no point of me even trying. I'm stuck here forever. Mm-hmm. And so basically, there, there was, they were going to use that first because obviously that seems more... more realistic. It's obviously more realistic. Yeah. But the director said that he wanted to, to counter all the anger and pain from Proust's brutality. I guess like to give a hero and give hope because, you know, it's so common to see all that. So that's an example of a movie. It's a really enjoyable movie as well. It's a good start. I wouldn't say it's a good start because it's very... Uh, overt racism but it's a really good movie you know, like get out it wouldn't be a good start because you have to know about racism okay just wanted to pop in and say that the audio will change a bit because we did change mics and that's why okay back to the podcast i think a better movie to start off with would be the hate you give so the hate you give is a book written by angie thomas which was later adapted into a film and the story follows an african-american teenager named star carter and her struggles in standing up for what's right after she witnesses the shooting of her childhood friend by a police officer. So I haven't read the book yet, I've only seen the movie. Um, so I'll be talking about the scenes from the movie. Um, before I dive into my thoughts and everything, I just wanted to give like a bit of background on the book slash movie. The story expands in Tupac Shakur's acronym, Thug Life, which stands for The Hate You Give, Little Infants, Fucks Everybody. To be honest, I actually had no idea what this meant before, like uh-huh. the first time I saw it, but Tupac explains it as, if we continue to bring up children in a negative environment, surrounded by racism, violence, and oppression, and the cycle will just continue. And I thought this was really interesting. It started off as a short story after the Oscar Grant case. And if you don't know what that is, Oscar Grant was killed by a police officer in mm-hmm. on New Year's Day, 2009, Aww. the age of 22. 
That's not even the worst. So it started off as a short story, but her anger motivated her to keep going because cases just kept rising. Like mm -hmm. after the killings of uh, Trevon Martin at the age of 17, Shit. Mike Brown, 18, and Tamir Rice at the age of 12. Just to give you a better perspective, more than 100 unarmed black people were killed by the police in 2015 in America. And only four cases resulted in convictions of the officers involved. And none of them served more than four years. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? I I don't know what to do, but this angers me so much. And I feel like the hate you give kind of manages to capture the complexity like really well because mm -hmm. they didn't, it's not a one-sided story where they're showing all blacks are killed for no reason and all whites are, you know, white supremacists. And when I watch the movie, you see there's so many layers to it. It's not like yeah. playing black and white. The guy who was shot, her friend, her childhood friend who was shot was called Khalil. And he was shot by an officer after being pulled over for a busted taillight. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I, in, when you first hear that, you're going to think, that's kind of like the cop's fault but then if you kind of think about it Khalil was being way too cocky in my opinion he w he didn't stay where he was supposed to stay like after the officer told him to stay put and he reached into his um yeah but he should have window. shot him that okay that doesn't justify it but like thinking of it from the cop's perspective he did reach in like he could have been pulling out a gun it was late at night like I'm not trying to justify why the cop like that he should have got killed or like shot or anything mm -hmm. I'm just saying that they sh they didn't try to make it seem as if he was shot for no reason you know what I mean they try to make it both sides. I think the way they showed the different perspectives is really good. Okay, so I know you've seen the movie, and most of you mm -hmm. should have seen the movie. So I thought I'd just discuss some of the more, the more provoking scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. so, and I wanted to talk about the opening scene where she, Star had to have the talk at nine years old. was how to compose yourself when you're confronted by an officer and how you should act. And also, at the age of nine, she, has to, she had to learn the law. Because she had, and this is like one of my favorite lines from the movies, which is actually really sad. And it goes, know your rights, mm -hmm. know your worth. And okay, and this is another one. Like one of the most frustrating characters in the movie was Haley, or Star's supposedly best friend. And like, I get she, she was really annoying, to be honest. She was so ignorant and she symbolizes how people can be so blind to their own crimes. She was really like very much needed in the movie because I don't think people really see, like, they don't really understand. She was definitely really racist. Yeah. I think that's kind of common, like, her character is, like, people are very covertly racist, and I feel like she was that, too. Like, she didn't even realize that she and was being racist. Because she was in another neighborhood altogether. Like, she she doesn't know these kind of situations. And I remember her saying, like, she wouldn't listen to Star about the situation. She mm -hmm. was, like, she, she had she formed her own opinions, and she, she thought she was right, so that was that. I remember her talking to Star, and she was like, but think of the cop. Like, mm -hmm. his life is ruined now. He can't even... Leave Bullshit. the house to buy milk and shit. Even though Haley was uh, like the main character that showed to like portray all this, many kids in the school were also like as bad as she was. And one scene that like I guess okay no you know what it annoyed me. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna uh, contradict myself. It did annoy me. But remember the scene where they protested for Black Lives Matter, but only to skip their exams. I hated that. Like so not for the good intentions and that's what we're seeing like all over the media now still. Mm -hmm. People thinking it's Coachella dressing up, going, taking photos for Instagram. Yeah, that's disgusting. Like, and another frustrating character was um, Star's Uncle Carlos, the cop uncle. And he was supposed to be the bl this black cop in the police force signing up for his black community mm -hmm. but he lived in a much nicer neighborhood in a much nicer house so mm -hmm. and i feel like this clouded his judgment a little bit because mm -hmm. in one conversation with star and i think this was like the the this is like a really explicit scene where he was trying to like show the other perspective because she was having a hard time standing up and he was trying to well no she had like star was very one-sided she was like this is wrong this needs to stop and this is the other perspective that they were trying to show into the film like this is some this is how other people view it it's not just 
one-sided. And so he was trying to show her the cop side of things, but his examples just sounded like excuses. So this is what he says. So he was trying to explain the situation to her from a cop's perspective. And she, he goes, so if whoever's being pulled over is arguing with the police, then the police have to be more alert about the uh, situation. Yeah. Okay, that okay. makes sense. And this is, bit, I don't like this bit at all. And he goes, and if there's a girl in the car, they have to make sure the girl's all right. Has the girl been raped? Is this like, okay. like, is she there willingly? And Okay, and I did not like that at all. Because if you think about it, if this was a white neighborhood, this is a white girl in the car. That's do you honestly so think he true. think oh he's about to rape this girl or is this girl there willingly is she okay? I don't think they question why there was a female in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, and then obviously he brought up the bit about if he was reaching into it, like if he was reaching to open the door or if he's reaching reaching into his window, he's probably going for a gun. And and it's a bold assumption to make. And th- no, not that. This is the this is line he says, and as a cop, we will shoot without hesitation. No way. He okay, said that? He goes, and he's, right. He says it and it's annoying. And then she starts confused and she's like, okay, but so she changes the setting. She's like, what if this was in a white neighborhood? What if it was a white kid? If he reached into his window, would you say, yeah. would you shoot him or would you say, raise your hands? And he says, out asking him to raise his hands. Fuck yeah. this bitch. And then he goes, did you? And she's, she's, I'm stunned. She's stunned. And she's like, did you hear what you just said? And uh-huh. he goes, we live in a complicated world. That's all I can Bullshit. say. I don't like that. I mean, I... Mm. No, just like... that. That's straight up racism. He, like, you see him as a black police officer. You're thinking he's supposed to be helping the black community. Yeah. But it can't be as easy as you think, you know? Because he's surrounded by all these white cops. I guess so. Still, that... Was so annoying. Okay, and so another quote. And this is when she was doing her interview. And she was finally, like, signing up against it. She goes... By the way, this is where everyone's kind of, like, speculating, right? Everyone's like, you know, this could, everyone's having their own opinions. And there's all these different conversations going on. And they're mm-hmm. all having their different perspectives. And she goes, it seems like they're always... They always talk about what he may have said, what he may have done, what he may not have done. I didn't know a dead person could be charged in his own murder, you know? Ooh. Right. Here's another very provoking scene. The gangman king, the gang leader, he was kind of like eyeing Star. They were having a family dinner, and, and he was kind of like, I'm on your ass, like, you better shut up, right? Mm-hmm. And the dad comes out to defend her, and he's like, stay away from her. And the fight, so there's, it's not even a fight, it's like a little bit of shoving here and there. And the police came out like that. Like, they were so uh-huh. fast on the scene. Right. It was so heartbreaking to watch because he was such a powerful authority in not only, like, his family, his, like, in Star's life, but also in the community. He mm-hmm. was this big ex-gang member who, like, chose, like, the better path, and he's, like, doing well for himself. The moment the police come to the scene, he's, like, instantly dissipated. They pin him to the ground. He's forced to the ground. Like, in front of his kids, and everyone's yeah. watching. I, That scene was so sad. That's so degrading. And... This, this, and what frustrated me even more in that scene was, okay, so after this happened, the kids are obviously like, what is it? Like, like he didn't do anything wrong. And they, they start harassing his son. Mm-hmm. And when Star, she, she has her phone out and he goes, start recording this. And she goes, I have the right to record this. And the only reason the cops stop is because one of them recognizes her as the witness. He goes, that's the witness. And then they back off. Oh my God. Because they didn't want to see, seem like, you know, they didn't want to seem like the bad guy in the media. They didn't want to oh, have another is- case like for her to do you know what I mean like yeah. they didn't want more evidence surfing up that they were, they were the bad guys and I didn't you know, that pissed me off so much another scene that's just and this is like the summary to the whole movie it really shows their message that the hate you give little infants fucks everybody and this is when the son pulls out the gun so he's holding his dad's gun pointing it towards the the gang leader because the son is really young the son was eight years old and he was ready to defend his dad because of all the hate he grew up in all Mm -hmm. this violence and the police came into the scene and they were ready to shoot this eight-year-old this scene is so emotional there's no music everything's like you don't hear anything yeah it's just okay so lastly i okay this was also lots of people were talking about this and the movie was too explicit and i remember 
telling you about it. And okay. Because when I was rewatching the movie, like, they didn't really have to spell that much out for the, okay. the audience. But then I was also thinking, racism has been, this, like, bullshit has been around for way too long. Yeah. And if people still don't grasp it, I think, like, the explicity of this movie was, mm-hmm. like, really like very much necessary because yeah. they really had to drill it into these ignorant people's heads right like mm-hmm. they had to spell everything out for them because i don't know if they like do they just not get it okay lastly i just want to say is because i didn't read the book so mm-hmm. more of my book review areas came from i don't know her name but it came from the book Maceman, and you can find her on youtube okay so yeah i think the hate you because the hate you gave was a good movie um to kind of like get into that and to understand the whole movement better. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to watch stuff that's based on actual events, like everything is uh, has actually happened like to a T. There is a documentary called Thirteenth, but also there's also a Netflix series uh, based on the Central Park Five, which is a really popular case. So I had heard of the like, Central Park Five before watching the series, but let me tell you, listen, like reading about it, I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's disgusting and horrible. But watching it, holy shit, it's like. Waterworks yeah. all the fucking ways. Only four episodes. Uh, one episode around an hour, but put aside the time to watch it because it will break your heart. But this really, yeah, guys, this really is like heartbreaking. I can go past the first episode. I watched the first episode mm-hmm. and it tore me down. Basically, what happened is a real case. The boys, or known as the Central Park Five, spend between six to 14 years in prisons across New York State. This was back in like 1989, okay? So, this four episodes, I'm gonna briefly talk about each episode. Basically, the first episode, you get an introduction to all the boys Kevin Richardson, 14. Antron McRae, 15. Raymond Santana Jr., 14. Um, Yusuf Salam, 15. And Corey Y, 16. Kevin, Antron, Yusuf, and Corey are black, and Raymond is uh, Hispanic. They were all falsely accused of sexually assaulting and attempting to murder a woman at Central Park. You see, like, all the, um, the boys and how they ended up at Central Park. So Kevin was... He was interested, so he just showed up. He showed up on his own, and he saw people fighting, and he ran. And then Antron was there to play. He wanted to play basketball with his friends, but he ended up going because he was interested because a bunch of people were going to Central Park. And all these people were black and brown, by the way. So, and then Raymond went with his friends. Yusuf wanted to meet his friends. Corey was spending time with his girlfriend, but then Yusuf called him, and he joined. Okay, and so what happened in Central Park was a group of 20 to 30 black and brown guys were in the park and the police got a call because they were allegedly har- harassing bikers. And harassing, you think, like, like they made it such a big deal. They were just going, hey, you know, just, like, teasing them a little bit. But it, they, police fled to the scene. Like, it was like they were, like, beating people up. Yes, there was a group of people, like a small group of people got into an argument. But that is, like, a small fraction in comparison to, like, 30 other people there. And so the cops arrest a bunch of people. Of those people are the five that I mentioned, except for Corey, sorry, the four. So Kevin, Antron, Raymond, and Yusuf. And by the way, Kevin, who I mentioned was 14, the cops got him. And not only did he, they catch him, they pinned him to the ground and hit his head with a helmet. So all of them were, okay, all four of them were held in rooms and they were held there for hours being interrogated for hours and hours and hours and some of them didn't even have parental guidance and they're minors so kevin was there without any parental guidance and he kept asking for his mom but they were like no your mom's not here or your mom's i forgot what they said but like basically they didn't let they didn't let the parents know basically and it's like you can't do that it's illegal you can't keep children hostage and question them without Uh, their parents and they were not given any food or water they were just there tired and and they okay another thing i wanted to mention they didn't know each other they didn't know each other at all and the police were coercing them to say okay who like why would you rape this woman and they're like what lady because the park is big 
And none of them knew that there was a lady being raped. But the cops kept asking, asking and saying, was it Kevin, was it Antron? And these people don't know each other. And they were like, I don't know who you're talking about. But after being held for hours and hours, you're going to have to comply, right? Because because of the and, situation they're and in. And when we say hours, we mean like 18 hours. Yeah, not just like two not, or three, yeah. okay? And so, like, they made them say, like, okay, so Raymond was saying, like, oh, Kevin did this and Antron did that. He didn't even know who they were. He got their names wrong. But he didn't really, okay, and how it was, was the cops were more feeding it to them yeah. than them saying it. They were like, okay, so Kevin did this, and mm-hmm. whoever was being interrogated would, would agree and say, yes, that happened. And the worst part is, hey, so besides obviously coercing them, they would be really, like, rough with them. And they would promise them, this is the worst part, they would promise them, if you just say this, you'll go home. Because they knew that's all they wanted. And they, like, uh, manipulated them into signing these things that basically saying that what they confessed was true. Except for Yusuf. Yusuf didn't sign it because the mom found out, came in, and basically called them out. Because, so Yusuf's bus card, his bus card says he's 16. That's not real ID. He's actually 15. And, and when you're 16, you can sign it on your own. The mom comes in and says, you know this is wrong. Why are you doing this? So anyways... They all end up being arrested, even though there's no physical evidence that ties them with the rape case. And they're all conflicting stories because one person is saying this and this per- another person is saying that. And it just doesn't add up. But obviously this bullshit detective, they're all fucking white. They're like, oh, no, see, they are rapists. And there's so much emphasis on the girl who's being raped. But they're so quick to pin it on people without real evidence and this this bit annoyed me remember when was it kevin who was smacked down to the ground yes he smacked down to the ground he was hit by the helmet but what the interrogator the police oh or whatever God, the detective that. what he's got he says oh so you got your you got your scar from the lady after raping her she scratched you to get away and mm-hmm. he had to say yes he had to he had to agree with that mm-hmm. because he couldn't say a police officer did this to me so that's how the four of them were interrogated. So you're wondering, how does, how does the fifth one, Corey, come into this? Well, he was there. He followed Yusuf to the station. Because they were like, okay, do you want to come down to the station to accompany you know, Yusuf? So then he comes down because, you know, he's a good friend. And he's there waiting for hours for Yusuf. He falls asleep. The cops come, wake him up. And one cop bring him, brings him to a room and slaps him. And, like, scares the fucking shit out of him. He's 16. And he says, like, you ha- he's basically telling, like, you need to, like, confess or whatever. And then this other... Okay, I- this is the thing, the other thing they did. No, so the reason for the fifth guy was because none of their stories... Yeah. All their stories are conflicting. And when they brought it to the lawyer, she says, you can't bring this to trial because mm-hmm. nothing's... Like, they're going to kick this out. This case is in... If no- none of the stories... Um, yeah, not conflict. Like, if they don't match up with each other, this isn't a proper... Uh, like basically, they couldn't arrest any of the boys because the stories weren't matching. So they needed this fifth guy to mm-hmm. come in to tie everything together to make it seem like a proper trial. So that's the first episode. Second episode, the trial happens, and they're split into two. And so basically, there's a cervical swap. We're like from the from the rape oh, victim. Her, uh, her name Trisha. Her name's Trisha Miley. And and there's a sock of semen. And none of the DNA matches any of the boys. Okay, keep that in mind. That's the only physical evidence, and it matches none of the boys. Basically, what happens is Yusuf, Raymond, Antron, and Kevin are convicted of rape, assault, and robbery in the attack on Miley. And they have to spend 10 years in prison as juveniles. But Corey, since Corey is the oldest, he's 16, he's charged for a sexual abuse and first-degree assault and, and riot and spend 15 years as an adult. And he's the one who's separated from the rest of them, so he has to spend time in adult jail and he's only 16 and that okay it only gets worse from there by the way there's another thing mr trump he pays like i think eighty thousand dollars to put an ad to have the death penalty for these boys he requested the death penalty and it's funny because he's like he's talking about the tragic rape of trisha miley um i'm sorry coming from who 
I know I'm going pretty fast, but it really gets into detail and you really get to feel the emotions of these boys and how it's like they're so young and they're and they have to experience all this. Third episode, it shows all uh, four of the boys, not Corey. So Kevin, Antron, Yusuf, and Raymond all grown up and what life is like for them. Like in prison or? No, after, after they let out. And they're adults, right? But that doesn't mean life is easy, right? Obviously. So I'll get into like um, what all of them have experienced. So Raymond comes home and he doesn't recognize his house and it's like filled with people he doesn't really know, like a bunch of family. And he has a relationship, which is something that's good. And Antron comes home and his dad is sick and he's on good terms with him because his dad walked out on him and his mom during all of this. And I mean, it's hard to like forgive someone who when you needed him the most, but he eventually reconciles because the dad's dying. Yusuf is a devoted Muslim and he's reunited with his family. Uh, Kevin is reunited with his mother and sister. And Corey, his location instead is unknown. But the thing is that life is so hard for them because they have felon under their name. So try applying for jobs when there's like sexual um, assault on your name. So you see them struggle to go places or to apply for jobs because they're trying to apply for jobs and it says there all these things that they were not and even the people in their lives. So Raymond has a stepmom and the stepmom literally gets mad for some reason and then she calls him, I don't want this rapist in my house. It's just, it's just so sad to see them to come out and have to be like, first of all, they haven't been out in the real world for forever. And now that they're there, it's like, even just to survive, it's like you're walking around with that title and people know you, that's it. And it just, it's so unfair. So the last episode, so again, this whole series was, it was not easy to watch. The last episode was by far the hardest to watch. So it's about Corey. So Corey was the only one who was sent to an adult prison at only 16. He is beaten multiple times. Was he, it, but was he beaten like just for the fun of it or was it because of the crime he was both. doing? Both. Because I can imagine if you're a rapist, that must have been one of the worst crimes to commit. True, but he like- came and they just beat him up. It was He was beaten up uh, for that, but in a different prison. So he came and they... and Okay, imagine being 16... And you're going to an adult prison with like some really scary people, okay? Because these people are here for a reason. There are obviously, there are people who are wrongfully convicted, but there are people there for reasons. And you're 16 and there's one scene where he's in a room with a bunch of other prisoners, right? And they're watching TV and most of them leave. And then he's about to leave and the cop closes the door and it's him and two other guys and two other guys beat the shit out of him. It was just so hard to watch. He meets a cop. But for the first time, it's someone who actually treats him like a human being, who actually cares for him and talks to him and, you know, isn't fucking horrible because everyone's treating him like shit and he's only 16, right? He doesn't deserve this. And they have like a genuine connection and he like, the officer brings him books. Was he white or? Yeah, he was white. And it was like, and then Corey's like, why are you being so nice to me? And he says, because he has his own, he has a son of his own. So basically he asked for a transfer to another prison because he wants to see his mom more often. And you can see him having flashbacks and there were times where he would think about that night and he would reimagine it. Instead of him going with Yusuf, he imagined him staying with his girlfriend. And it's almost like he's blaming himself. I don't know, I just, I, I couldn't even put it to words how I felt. So basically, in one of the prisons he's in, he, he gets into an altercation with this guy. He meets the guy again in the last prison he was in. And the guy um, asks Corey, like, do you remember me? And then he says, no, not really. And then he talks about sins and how you need to pay for your sins and everything. And he thanks Corey for forgiving him for the fight he started. And that guy ends up being the guy who was the actual rapist of the jogger in Central, in Central Park. And his name is Matthias Reyes. And he admits that he was in, uh, responsible for that. 
and he was the only person there. So the rest have all been released, right, except for Corey. So Corey gets released early and all of them get like the, the title, like, they're clear of that crime. Just to wrap it up. And so if you're wondering where they are now, so Raymond uh, Santana, he's a father of his daughter and they're staying in Georgia where he founded his apparel company. Yusuf Salam is married and the father of 10 children. He's a published author, public speaker, of, uh, advocating for policy change in the criminal justice system. Kevin Richardson is in New Jersey with his wife and two daughters. And in 2017, he was honored a high school diploma. 28 years after his arrest, because by the way, he didn't get to fucking, they didn't get to fucking graduate. Antoine McCray is married and the father of six children in Georgia. And Corey Wise is the only one who lives in New York City still. And in 2015, he established and funded the Corey Wise Innocent Project at Colorado Law School, offering pro bono means without charge, legal counsel to wrongfully convicted, which is, that is so nice of him. And so, yeah, I mean, all this stuff that we talked about, it's, I, I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh, it's just a one-time thing. It's not. It happens all the time, and it's something you need to acknowledge. You can't just sweep all this stuff under the rug. It, it happens so And also, I feel often. like Central Park Five. I feel like even if you listen to it, like, listen to our podcast, and you think you understand, like, the severity of it, mm-hmm. you, like, because she, she talked to me about it before, and I understood it, but when I watched the first episode, I didn't know it was mm-hmm. that bad. I didn't know how badly they were treated. I didn't know that they had really had nothing to do with the case. It wasn't like, like, it wasn't even like they were friends with each other. Like, when you watch it, mm-hmm. you're just so frustrated and I feel like, even if you've heard it from us, you really should watch it and you yeah. have to, like, experience it yourself you and you really to. have to because it's so much more emotional and it's so much more like, impactful when you watch it. And I feel like, okay, this is another thing is that I've been seeing stuff where people are, like, afraid to talk about their opinions towards this. But it is not controversial. Racism is not a controversy. It's not a political opinion. It's it's about humanity and about compassion. And just, like, common fucking sense. You're telling me that it's okay to treat someone, to degrade them, to hurt them, to abuse them, to murder them, to make them feel like they are not worthy because they look different from you? Like, I don't understand how people are just like, how hard is it just to not be racist? Like... How are it's, we still fighting this um, bullshit? Like, it's so is it that stupid. hard to say it's wrong? I I may face racism, but I will never face the degree of racism that a black person faces, and I know that, and I acknowledge that, and I understand that, and I, that's why I that's why this is important because you need to realize that learning about racism in itself, instead of experiencing it, is a privilege, and there's no excuse to not to say, oh, I I. Can't do anything. I hate that excuse. You can educate yourself. There's articles, TV shows, movies, books. You can sign petitions. And these petitions, they do stuff. It's yes, not, they do. I feel like people don't understand. Like, I don't know if they understand that these petitions actually get brought to court and people see the like these. There's ta- thousands and thousands of people who sign these petitions and want this change, and they they have to face. Like, they have to face it. They can't just ignore this. And so to not, maybe some, most of the time, to not, like, look like the bad guy, they're going to change it. But it's still justice. Mm-hmm. Like, Derek Chauvin, it was due to, like, mass media, all mm-hmm. these protests, all these petitions, that he was convicted of it. Yes. So petitions do something. Don't think that you're just signing it and it's not going to go anywhere. Yes, it does stuff. And before we end this, I just want to mention a few names because it is important to say their names and acknowledge what um, they had to go through. Okay, so we have, obviously, George Floyd. We have Breonna Taylor, who was killed in her own house because there was a drug bust, but it was a house far from her house. There's Tamir Rice, who was 12. There was a call about a black male repeatedly pointing a gun at people, and it was him, but it was a fake gun. A fake gun. He was 12, okay? 
Ahmad Aubrey, who was just jogging, Sandra Bland um, for a traffic violation, and countless people. Also, another thing which kind of pisses me off is the whole, everyone's like, okay, hashtag Black Lives Matters. And people are trying to like, you know, they come back with it like, yeah, but all lives matter. Oh, don't miss me with that. Miss me with that bullshit. Are you, are you kidding? Like, Like, are you joking? No one said that. Other lives don't matter. We're just trying to, there's a problem right now that we're trying to, Mm-hmm. Uh, like show awareness of this problem and like tell people like alert people about it so that's why we're trying to bring attention to mm-hmm. black lives matter we're not trying to say they're who who was saying that black lives are better than whites so don't be ignorant educate yourself there are so many ways to do this i know that the this i don't want to even call, it's not a trend but this whole movement on social media has died down a little bit and i know that everyone's going back to their own lives but please remember the black lives matter it's not a trend it's a movement and it racism just needs to be abolished. It's it's about fucking time. Okay, it's about fucking time. I am sick of this shit. Okay, that's all for us today. There are so many bugs here and we will catch you in the next episode. Goodbye. Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, we were outside. We were sitting outside on the ground. So there were a lot of bugs and animals and we get interrupted and distracted by it while we were talking. But since this is kind of a serious topic, I didn't want to just leave it in there. But I thought some bits were funny, so I'm leaving it to the end. So yeah, if you want to hear more of that lovely nature content, here it is. They're not swans. They're geese, right? Yeah. Ducks are not that big. No, geese have like long necks or something, right? Do you fucking see that <laughs> shit? Why are there birds everywhere? <laughs> because you fucking said this shit! <laughs> the universe is listening. Okay, come on, what's next? <laughs> Don't fucking say that! <laughs> A fucking like vulture comes out. You mark. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha